We have this order of service, Keith. I'm just telling you. I can't follow that. It can only go downhill from there. You know, you got that going on. You know God's at work in our church when it takes this long for the choir to leave because there's so many of them. And Keith selfishly says there's room for more. <laughs> no, that is amazing. That's just awesome to see so many people up there. And uh, just to give you, a, a, we'll have kind of a, if you were here last year for Easter, we're going to do a little bit like what we did last year. And if you weren't here, come for a real blessing because we're going to do, choired uh, and myself, we're going to do a thing together again. And it's really going to be great. And I'm excited for that and looking forward to Easter. It's going to be here pretty quickly. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, go to First Peter. We're going to be uh, walking through the last part of chapter 2. And as you're going there, it's audience participation, audience participation time. Um, we'll start over here. When you hear the word submit, so all of you got time over here. When you hear the word submit, give me first thought. Submit. Obey, obey servanthood. Two. Here. What? Follow. Any others? Give in. Okay. All right. Spiritual section. Come on. Huh? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I like that. Any others? Give up control. All right. Over here. Super spiritual section. What? To my wife. That's the same guy that pours milk that's expired into fresh milk. It's The reason I ask that question is because in general, that word doesn't get what it should get. It typically gets a bad rap. It doesn't get the, what, it's, what, it's, what the good thing about it is. And so <clears throat> we looked at, uh, first week, we looked at be holy for I am holy. And then Peter builds on that and says be, be a holy priesthood, that you should carry that. And I said this last week, and I'll say it again. This is a lot like learning algebra. You, you, you add a layer, and you keep adding a layer. Well, he adds a layer again today, and next week he adds an even greater layer. Okay? It just, he keeps building on that. But you got to get that first one. Be holy, for I am holy. Be a holy priesthood. And he says, and now you're going to go, well, why be a holy priesthood? Because I'm going to tell you why here in just a second. So, okay. So for a little bit of fun, as we kind of launch into this idea of submit, how many of you broke the law this week? That's way too many of you. I'm just going to say. You, you exceeded the recommended speed limit. Man, Mona, the hand up went way too fast. You did it with almost some glee. So I decided to look at silly or weird Kansas laws. I know. Some of you are in trouble. I'm just telling you right now. Here are a few. No bathing in the Missouri River naked or insufficiently clothed during daylight hours. So apparently skinny dipping at night is good. Uh, this is one of my favorite ones. No sounding of gongs in public places. 
How many of you carrying around your gong? Just have boom, boom. Okay. Uh, no flying of anything um, of, of distraction in public places. You will spook the horses. Um, no using mules to hunt ducks. Apparently, they're too noisy. <laughs> you need a permit to shave while driving. You need something else, too. <laughs> True story. I saw a lady driving down George Washington Boulevard. And I'm going to work. She's going to work. And the lady is brushing her teeth while she's driving. And I had one thing. Where are you spitting? <laughs> so, no shaving without a permit. I like this one, too. Keep the smoking pipe out of your ear. I know. I said what to when I read that. Hey, this is working. No honking somebody else's horn. You can get them in trouble. That's pretty awesome. Riding an animal down a road is a misdemeanor. Okay. This one's even better. Driving a herd of cattle through town is outlawed. Randy, did you know this? You know this, right? Okay. Uh, dead deer may not be hauled across Kansas Avenue. Apparently, somebody doesn't like that side. It is forbidden to serve wine in teacups. How many of you are not submitting to these laws? We need to talk. I know some of the kids are going to be devastated about this law. Snow fights, snowball fights are illegal. All of those kids just responded like my wife, my daughter. What? What? <laughs> I'm now listening to what Danny has to say. Brad has done this one, and he's a repeat offender. Striking a vending machine that stole your money is illegal. <laughs> How many of you have not submitted to the laws? And yeah, uh, we've got police officers in here. We'll be talking. And my favorite one of them all. No one may scream at a haunted house. Isn't that what they're for? Right, Brad? So I, I say that to you because we kind of choose what we want to submit to. Some things we like, oh, I don't want to do that. I, I, if I were adding to these, there would be two laws. One of them you already know. The, the whole thing about express checkout, that ought to be a misdemeanor or something. If you're going above the, the recommended 15 items, and I have a new one, I have a new one. If you go to Quick Trip, if you go to Quick Trip and you're buying a fountain drink with a personal check, we need to talk. <laughs> I'm in there the other day, and, and this lady comes in, she's buying a fountain drink for 89 cents. Do you take a personal check? I'm like, please, God. And it's funny how God does that to you to teach you patience. That's a whole other sermon, but... It is. Okay, enough about those things. I, I, I put all that out there because we kind of pick and choose what we want to submit to, whether it's laws or we're the, our employers, bosses, whomever. We, we have an opportunity to reflect being holy. And I can laugh and be silly about those laws, but let's be honest, we, we're going to submit to what we want to submit to, and then we're going to do some other things. But Paul or Peter's trying to say, look, you're in, a, you're in the jobs you're in. You're in the places you are for a reason. There's a bigger thing than just you. And so he said this back in 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. He says, but as one who is holy, 
you are to be holy in your conduct, for it is written, because be holy because I am holy. And then he added the layer last week that we talked about. He says, but you are a chosen race, or a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into this marvelous light. And so he says, he adds that layer, be holy, be holy priesthood, that your your world, you have an influence in the world you, you're around. And he says, you're going to have to submit to some things. We don't like that word because I don't, I don't want to submit. I don't have to submit to anything. And so he talks about that. So let's look at that, verse, starting in verse 13. He says, be subject. Now, my translation says subject, but yours may su- say submit. It means the same thing in this context. It says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this, uh uh-oh, here we are, this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Have you ever thought that God's placed you where you are for a reason? And we're going to talk more about that here in just a second. He says there's a reason why your holy priesthood really matters, whether it's in middle school, high school, college, work, neighbors, wherever you are. You're there for an opportunity. That it is God's will that you are where you are. And sometimes you're like, I don't know why I'm at this crummy job. I don't know why I'm that, that person, why I have to work next to that person. I don't know why that student has to sit next to me. I don't know. Because it's God's will because he has something greater than you going on. He wants something to happen there. And we're going to see that here in just a second. He wants that. So let's keep reading. He says, look at what he says in verse 16. He says, live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. He says, don't make yourself, I'm not going to, I don't have to obey those things. I don't, you know. I don't, I, don't have to, I don't have to obey what they said. I don't have to obey what they... I'm going to live my life, and God's going to forgive me anyway. I don't, have to, I, don't have to, I don't have to submit to anything other than God, even though God's placed people that we're to submit to. And we're going to talk about that here. We're going to give some clarification to that. He says, don't, don't play the God card so you, can be, so you can do some sin. So you can do... Because let's be honest. Jesus was in a place of submission, wasn't he? He submitted to the authorities. He could have raised a ruckus when they came to arrest him. He says, why do you bring an army? I've been teaching in the synagogue all the time. And he says, live as people who are free. Live that you are free of the bondage of sin, that you are free in Christ so that you can have a message. It, because, man, we lose our message when we say, I don't have to submit to you. I don't, you're my boss. You're, you're my coworker. You, you, whatever it is, I can, I can play the God card so I don't have to deal with you. Because look at what he says to that thing. Verse 17, honor everyone. Honor everyone, even the boss I don't like, even the kid I sit next to in class who annoys me, even the church member who took my seat this morning. He says, honor everyone. And if you look at that honor, value to esteem, and then he adds another layer. He says, love the brotherhood. The brotherhood is us, the church. Okay, that's a sacrificial love that we're going to love one another. He says, fear God. He says, fear God, and that idea is honor. It's honor God. Fear God for who he is, who he is in your life. Have a healthy respect for this God who is in charge and, and, and knows what's going on. He says, fear God. 
And then look at, I, I want to, this is where I want to reconcile this idea of being in the world and having to live for God and live with people who are not of this world. Romans 13, 1 and 2, Paul gives us this. Listen to these words. He says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. That, that any political system, any boss, any place you are, it's not by coincidence. That God is orchestrating something. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. You know, we're, I know this is going to be a revelation for most of us, but we're in a political uh, year. And I was thinking about this a lot this week, that regardless of who's in office, whether it's local or national, first off, it never, ever catches God off guard. He goes, oh, wow, what do we do now? He never, ever thinks that. He knows because he has a plan. He knows what he's doing. And so if, he, if somebody gets into office that we don't like or we don't agree with, um, I'm 56. I've seen presidents come and go. Some I like more than others. But God's word still remained the same. God's word was still going on. The church was still doing its thing. People were still coming to faith in Christ. People were... I mean, and so put your mind at ease there for just a second. He says, well, there, there, Paul tells us clearly there are people in roles that we have to... We may not agree with them, but we have to support. I remember my brother-in-law would tell me that his rank put him in positions to hear conversations from very high people. And a lot of those things, he was like, Danny, I, I sat in cabinet meetings that I, I could not support personally, but the, the role in which I ended caused me to submit to authorities higher than me. And, but they never asked me to do something morally against my convictions. And he wrestled that. He talked about how, how do I wrestle all that? Because look at what it says in verse Acts 5, 29. And Peter and the apostles answered, we do not, we, we must obey God rather than men. So how do you get, how do you get reconciled this idea of following the, the, the authorities, the, the, to submit to the leadership of our workplaces, of our homes, of our church, of our political system? How do you reconcile that when you hear Peter, Peter say, we're going to submit to, we're going to obey God and not man? Well, I think I can hopefully give you something that I kind of came to some reconciliation about, about this idea of submitting and being a holy priesthood because on the other side of that, here in a second, you're going to see why that's really valuable for wherever we are. We are called to honor God first. Clearly, hear me on that. If the government calls us to sin against God, I'm pretty certain that Acts 5.29 comes into play. I do. That we're going to obey God over man. But I would also believe that most day-to-day things that we live in, like speed limits and laws of our land, um, I think that Romans 13.1 and 2 apply. Does that make sense? I mean, the government has not come in and said, you, you can't teach these things. I mean, if you lived in another country, you would have to do that at your own risk, like in China, for instance, and other countries where another faith is the dominant thing, and to do it against the government is at your peril. 
And, but those people, those are situations where they are still preaching the word of God, knowing that. Um, you see that when Peter did that. He said, um, you're telling me not to, but I'm going to because I'm going to obey God. But I think for most of us in here, the day-to-day life, following the laws of the land, um, I'm, some laws I'm not going I'm not, I'm not to break. You know, those are just, there's no point. But he's, he's basically saying if they're not asking us to do something against God, then follow the day-to-day laws of life. You know, and, and why, do we, why is this important? Because we have an opportunity to represent Jesus to people, okay? You and I have an opportunity to represent Jesus. And I also know this, that God's church has and will grow in any political system. It will. It has. It has. I haven't let whoever's in the Oval Office, I've never let that influence what I do in here. Because ultimately, I respond to God, ultimately. And I know that God will grow any church and has, and has, we kind of forget this, but the climate for church in the early days was horrific. They were not, they were, they were classified as the way, like that, whatever that thing is over there, uh, we need to make sure that it doesn't get anywhere. And they were constantly pushing on the disciples to not be that. And so I know that we submit to all kinds of things every single day. Bosses, laws, and most of them, they're just common sense. We, we abide by those things. And I think it's important because we mustn't hide behind the freedom in Christ in order to sin. It's like Jesus at any time could have snapped his fingers and had a legion of angels at his disposal when they came to arrest him. But he had a bigger picture in play for all of us. Our salvation. He came for our salvation. He came to redeem us. He came to break the bondage of sin. So his, his, his plan was much larger than it was than just like he could have snapped his fingers and had that at his disposal. He submitted to God because he had a bigger plan in play. He submitted to the authorities and, he, and when he was falsely accused, he could have raised a... He just he didn't say anything because the greater purpose was us. The greater purpose was us. Verse 18 says this. He says, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. He was saying, just because you become a follower of Christ doesn't mean you don't submit. You're still in a slave role. You still submit and you still respect them. Not only to the good and the, the, good and the Gentile, but also to the unjust. For this is the gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit, what, what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because God also, or Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was it deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So I want you to think for just a second. You're in a, a work environment that you do not like. 
Do you think that God has got you there for something greater than your just personal satisfaction? Probably. That God has placed you in that for an opportunity to be light. Instead of throwing rocks at your employer or your employees around you, what if you were spending more of your time being a holy priesthood, reflecting Jesus? Because if we're spending all of our time throwing rocks at our boss or at the employee who you're having to carry or the person who is trying to just climb the corporate ladder or the neighbor who's a little eccentric or the church person who just has some weird views about stuff or the, anybody in leadership when we're questioning them. There's nothing wrong with questioning, but if you think you can do it better, if you think you know how to do this better, uh, it's funny because whenever I see somebody that wants to be in that, uh, my pastor used to say, they, we'd get a new person. I remember we were growing up at, this, at 12, when I was at 12. We'd have, we had this one guy came in, and he was brand new to our church. He's like, you know, um, I am really good at leading life groups. Uh, I've led lots. Of, he went through this, like, resume of all the things he'd done at his last church. And I love my pastor so quietly and calmly said, hey, you know what we really need right now is we need door greeters. And he goes, nah, I don't do that. And the pastor said, um, well, one of the things we do every Sunday or every Saturday night is we have to tear down our auditorium for the midweek stuff, but we need a group. We, you could be a part of that group to set up the chairs. And the guy looked at him and says, uh, I don't do that. And then... <laughs> pastor said, I got one more. He says, um, we need help with um, our hospitality coffee area. We've got coffee and cookies and we need people to help set up. And the guy says, I don't do that. He said, but I do do these things. And Al said, until you can be a servant, until you can do something that you're not going to get identified for. And so it's funny because when we want to put ourselves in roles and we want to think that I can do it better. You may be able to do it better. But if that person's in authority, are you doing anything to make them a greater leader, a greater boss, a greater employee? Or are you thinking, man, if, I were, I, if, if they would just get out of the way, I'd, this would be better. This would be better. As a youth pastor growing up, I learned that this seat is different than any other chair in leadership. I learned that over a long time watching. And I, early on, I remember early on my ego thought, well, gosh, if I was in his chair, and here's all the things I'd be doing. And I've learned that until you're in that chair, you really don't know how you would lead. It's better to be a servant and to be where God's placed you. And so if you have a boss that you do not like, if you have employees that just grate on your nerves, if you live next to somebody that just, ugh, God has placed you there on purpose for a reason. He is growing you. He wants you to be a circle of influence. He wants you to be light. If you've got middle school, high school, if you've got people around you like, oh, man, i got to sit next to that kid all year, maybe God has placed that kid next to you on purpose for a reason. And God's done that for us so that we can be a holy priesthood, that we can reflect him it's easy to reflect Jesus to people that are like us. Let's be honest. It is. But man, when you get somebody whose political views are different than yours, whose moral views are different than yours, who thinks differently about Jesus, man, that's where, you, that's where the rubber hits the road. It's like, can I be Jesus to this person? Can, can, 
or do I just want to be with the people that are just a lot like me? And he says, Jesus set us an example. He, he was falsely accused. He went through all this stuff for our benefit. And he left us this wonderful example of how to be Jesus to the people around us. So it's important that we do that. So let's finish this out. I want you to think about a few things. You can be in the will of God, greatly loved by God, and still suffer unfairly. It's true. It's true. And I, I wrote this because it just really spoke to me. Our holiness is revealed in the unjust and unfair moments of our lives. Our holiness is revealed in the unjust and unfair moments of our life. Can you reflect Jesus when your boss is immoral or unethical? When a, when, a, when an employee or somebody at school is doing something that is getting them a leg up? I remember when I was in college, we were taking a biology test, and the teacher, um, you had to go around to each microscope, and you had to look at something, and then you had to write down what it was. And you would go from one to one to one. And I remember that she left the answer on a couple of the microscopes, and everybody was, everybody in the class was telling everybody that this has been done. So you can obviously get the right answer. And I remember walking up to it, and I was like, I've been called to something greater. This would be the easy way out for me. I would get the right answer for sure. And let me tell you, every ounce of my being wanted to look at the answers. I did. My natural self wanted to look at that. But I knew that I, I was not going to reflect Christ in that moment. Because all of them were watching. They all knew what I did. They all knew that I was, a, I was at the time, I was a part-time youth pastor and was working someplace else. They were all watching to see how I would handle that moment. And I chose not to look. I got them right, but I chose not to look. And it's not because God gave me some favor in that moment. It's because I actually studied, okay? But I think we miss the opportunities. We're spending way too much time trying to get out of that environment instead of saying, God, how can, I, how can I finish well in this environment? How can I help my boss be a great boss? How can I help the, employee, the employees around me to be better? How can I be light to them? How can I reflect you well? How can I, whatever it is. And he's really being clear about this. And I'm going to remind you again what he said in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. He says, but you are a chosen race, or a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession that you may proclaim. Proclaim is, is verbal. It's living it out. Proclaim who Jesus is, the excellencies of him in this dark world. And because and people need to see light. So verse 24 says this. He said, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And there's a great song uh, that came out. It says, By his wounds you have been healed. And I love this because Jesus is saying, I did, I endured all of this so that you can have this, this relationship with me. You can have this this eternal life that you can receive grace that you can you can get freedom from your past or your current situation if you'll allow me to do what I do and that's, it, that that idea of verse twenty four says he himself bore it means he carried that weight for us 
Because here's our tendency, verse 25, for you were straying like sheep. We none of us like to be referred to that, but he's true. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He says, I have done this for you. Jesus says, I have done this for you. And to be a royal priesthood means you need to stay right close to the shepherd. See, if you want to reflect Jesus and you want to be a holy priesthood, wherever you are, you've got to stay close to the shepherd. Because I know, if you're like me, a couple things I've learned is sheep are unaware of their surroundings. They just kind of do their thing. They wander frequently into unsafe places and they cannot help themselves. They wander into unsafe places. I, man, this is not a good place. I don't know how I got here. And we do the same thing. I, we wander into things that are like, oh, how did I get here? And we uh, typically can't help ourselves because we, just, we wander to the things that we want to be and do. Officer, I don't know how I was going so fast. I, this, I know what the speed limit is, but I was just going faster than the speed limit. How many of you have ever said that to a police officer? I don't know how I was going that fast. Yeah, you do. The foot goes a little further to the floor, and there's a thing called the speedometer, and it moves up past the recommended rate of speed based on what it says on the street. And see, we frequently wander into things that we never thought we would do. We never thought we would be here. And he's saying, if you want to be, if you want to be effective in being a holy priesthood, stop Stay close to the shepherd. Stop wandering off to all these other things. Be aware. Because if you don't, your ability to have a message to the world around us gets squelched. See, I want to have a message. I want to be able to talk to people that are completely opposite of me, politically, Jesus-wise, morally, ethically. I want to be able to have that conversation with them, even if we don't agree, so that I can have a conversation, so I can, I can find somewhere where we can talk about stuff instead of saying, if you're not, then you're over. And see, we're called to be a light. We, we're not called to to say, when you get all that right, then come talk to me. It's like, we've got to have, middle, we've got to have some place, we've got to have some place where we can bring some conversations. Jesus was brilliant at that. He was brilliant at that. I love what Isaiah 53, 5 and 6 said. And this is, Isaiah was telling us about what Jesus would endure for us. He says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And all we like sheep who have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The shepherd took on all of our stuff so that we could have the potential to reflect him. See, a relationship with Christ gives us the privilege to be a priesthood right where you are. And we need to spend less time. How many of you had a boss that you just complained about too much? Be honest. Okay. I used to work for a family business, and um, there's a blessing and a curse to, own, to working for a family business because a family business um, is a family business. It's a, it was a small group, and when the father and son would get into disagreements, uh, it affected the whole company. 
And when we were working, when I was working there, whenever the father would go on vacation, we knew as employees that the son was like, now I'm in power. And I will wreak havoc on all of you for a week. And I remember, and I remember one time, I'd been there 10 years, and one time the, the father goes off to vacation and the son comes in. He says, well, boys, dad's gone. I'm in charge. Those were his exact words. And all of us looked at each other and thought, man, it's going to be a long week. And I remember that he did stuff to us silly. He did stuff purely to see if he could get us to get angry, to see if we could just blow our corks, see if that we would um, do something that would get us fired. And we endured this week in and week out. And, and, um, and I remember that he, he was asking us to do stuff that I thought, hmm, no. Like one time he said, oh, hey, Danny, um, can you grab the other guy? I got a washer and dryer. I need you to pick up and deliver to my house and take the old one. And I'm like, um, don't I work here? He goes, yeah, but you work for me over there too. You know what I did? Got in the truck, got the dolly, and went and picked it up, delivered it, took the old ones, took them to the service place. It was hard. It was really hard. It was really hard. But this idea that you get into an environment, you think, oh, man, reflect Christ, even when it's hard because there's an opportunity. Because here's the other thing. God is doing a whole lot of shaping in your life, isn't he? He's doing a lot of shaping in my life. When I'm in those environments, he is doing a lot of growing and maturing. If you get a student next to you or a church member or somebody in a leadership role in our church or somebody at work or wherever you are, instead of looking at them and going, I wish they would move, I wish they would retire, I wish, I wish, I wish, instead of saying, how can I help them reflect well who Jesus is? How can I be Jesus to them? Maybe they are a Christ follower and they're struggling. Maybe they're not a believer, but you're the one person who can be light into their life. And so Oswald Chambers says this. He says, the center of salvation is the cross of Christ. Okay? We get to reflect that. And the reason it is, it is so easy to obtain a salvation is because it costs God so much. And so for all of us in this room, instead of looking at people and saying, when you get your life this way and that way, then it will come, I'll come around you. Why don't we say, I'm going to reflect Jesus to the best of my ability, to the world that God's placed me in. Instead of saying, God, get me out of here. And God, how about I, I be light until God tells me something different? Does that make sense? Because God's placed you where you are, not as punishment, but to grow you. And likelihood is there are people where you are that need Jesus. They need to know what Jesus looks like, and you're it. You could be it. And so don't miss that. And that's why Peter tells us, so be holy, holy priesthood. Look what Jesus has done. Look at the model he's provided. Stop complaining about where you are. Stop throwing the leader under the bus and say, how can I be a godly employee or employer? How can I submit and do reflect Jesus well to the world around us. Let's pray.
Father, I ask for forgiveness where I have not submitted to the people that you have placed in authority. I spent more time casting stones. I prayed little. I wish that they were gone or I wish that you would move me. And I, I, I look back now, God, and I, on the opportunities I missed to be a holy priesthood proclaiming your excellencies in a dark world. And I pray for some in this room. They may have a boss or a company they work for that they just, uh They may have employees. They may have somebody at school on their left or right or front or behind that they wish God would move them. They may have people here in this church. They think, man, if, they, if I were in that role, I would do X, Y, and Z. I ask God that you you would give us a humble awareness that the people that you have placed in in authority over us, that we would submit to their position. We may not agree with their everything, things they do morally or ethically or whatever, but at the end of the day, God, they are in a position of authority, and that is tough. And I ask, God, that we would be light in those moments to the world around us. God, remind us every single day that we have this great, this great responsibility to proclaim what you have done and are doing in our lives to a watching world and that a holy priesthood we should take with great honor, great respect, and great fear that we honor you with what you're doing in our lives. God, I thank you for that privilege and I thank you, God, for those men and women who have submitted to authority not out of a tail between the leg, out of a, but out of honoring you for a greater good. And I think about so many biblical characters who did that, knowing a greater thing lied ahead, most of all what your son has done. And I pray, God, that we would use his example as we live our lives for you. In your name I pray, amen. I ask you to stand. This is an altar.